plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one mana. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. Holy shit, he's back. The prodigal son returns. The talent, the man. Matt, how you doing today? Oh, oh sorry, we're Cantrip Cartel. We're here to talk magic. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody listening knows who we are, and anybody not listening doesn't matter. Not, don't say that because they're, they're not listening we get new listeners by definition anybody not listening oh, <laughs> but my mom doesn't listen yep and to that particular hey, 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 intro hey, hey. she does not matter okay okay in regards to the intro yeah uh so <clears throat> did you i didn't get a chance did you well, what talk i about said last I was week gone? was matt was busy and that he might talk about it on our next episode gotcha cool so yeah um i'm personally doing well uh my dad had a stroke last week uh he's alive he is <laughs> i'm sorry just step just, one i just love the qualifier of like he is alive he is alive well i mean that's like if you tell somebody who had a, <laughs> hey you know the first thing out of their mouth is yeah they're saying <laughs> is he okay but this is the the, the, <laughs> the primary alive. criteria art's still pumping yep <laughs> so uh mentally he seems all right uh physically he's in pretty rough shape so I won't go into a ton of detail there, but I was up in uh, my hometown of that I also won't mention. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I went to my back to my hometown and basically helped him and my mom adjust for a few days. Like, yep. so like he's probably going to make a pretty strong recovery. Obviously, it's very hard to tell, and it's only been a week. Yeah. Um, but I was just up there helping her deal with things and helping him, you know, get stuff done and. Kind of get adjusted to, yeah. Like it's it's a it's a lot of work. Yep. It, it's a, it's a lot of work adjusting. Um, he has he, he has our time getting around. Yep. And like that's a, that that your life get, kind of gets upended right away when. Yeah, I mean that uh, happens. So he's right-handed, <clears throat> and with his right arm, he can't lift a fork. Yeah. So he's lost almost all the dexterity in his hand and the vast majority of the mobility in his strength. His leg to, and I mean, his leg. Yeah. So it's rough. Yep. So he's, you know, adapting and he's stubborn. So he doesn't. That will help. Yeah. It helps and it hurts because he still wants to do what he wants to do. But he's also the kind of guy who's like, fuck this. I'm not going to be like he's. So so to some degree, he was never a professional or anything, but he used to be into like uh, powerlifting. Sure. Yeah. Through, you know, his younger years and when he was in his prime and whatnot. And. He is convinced, and I was not going to even attempt to dissuade him because that's really the wrong direction to go. He's like, I'm going to be deadlifting 475 pounds by the end of the year. That's his goal because he's done it before. Uh huh. And he's just like, and I'm like, okay. That's a lot. It's a lot of weight. As someone who, um, like I was a pretty in shape guy and I wasn't a deadlifter. I did deadlifting for, I mean, literally like three months and I got to like 405. Yep. And I was a very in shape person at the time. I know. I, like I said, realistically that particular goal isn't going to matter but he has his his sight his goal is not oh i'm gonna you know get by get by it's i'm going to be in the best shape i can possibly be so well that's a good that's a good angle to attack this from in no way shape or form was i going to try to dissuade him from that yep so my my grandma went through something similar and obviously (gasps) No stroke is comparable. Yeah, they're... but she's gotten uh, much of her mobility back, mm-hmm. and she lives a very unhealthy lifestyle. She smokes a ton, drinks a ton, doesn't take care of herself. But she's gotten she can she's gotten most of her mobility back through work. So if he's willing to put the work in, I hope he will get rewarded with the results. Yeah. So it seems like he is. 
Um, so I didn't do really anything of note to talk about over the weekend. Watched a lot of TV. Started watching Deadwood on my dad's suggestion. We were watching that up there, uh, which I had tried to watch once a long time ago and it just didn't really hook me. And being forced to watch it, <clears throat> not forced, but like, yeah, encouraged, encouraged heavily. to watch it. I was like, oh, all right. So like the first episode of Deadwood is mediocre and it like picks up as you kind of get going on it. Uh-huh. Um, haven't seen the newest episode of Last of Us yet. I haven't was, either, actually. I was going to watch that last night, but uh, my wife ended up having to work. Like, she worked till like, she didn't get home till almost nine o'clock. I wasn't a big fan of last week's episode. Yeah, it, it did the same thing as a couple episodes ago where like, what happens? One thing. Like yeah. the, the actual timeline of the story progressed five minutes last yep. week. I'm not a big fan of a, a, a flashback being the entire episode. Right. I, I'm not saying it's a bad storytelling mechanic. I just don't. I, I Yeah, I care about the story moving forward today. Um, I mean, like, I get the character. I get the character development is important. I'm just shallow, and I don't care. I want to. I want to move forward. Well, especially in those kind of like, to well, like, some degree, it would make sense if it was explaining more stuff. But like this, the last well, episode didn't really feel like it was like. Um, I mean, like, and so we're talking about. Oh, geez. Um, spoilers. Wow. Just a heads up. This is spoilers. I'm gonna give you. Jeez, I'm trying to. I'm gonna give you spoilers from the episode preceding this one, mm-hmm. and is the episode where Joel and Ellie get to the college campus. So it's the episode following that one. I'm not giving you any spoilers based on that. So if you don't know they get there, they get to a college campus at some point. But like, I just, when you, I, based on, based on the context clues we've gotten from Ellie's story, as soon as that episode started, as soon as that episode started, I knew almost exactly what was going to happen by the end of it. Mm-hmm. I know exactly how this is going to progress because I know, unless they write Ellie way different in that flashback, like I know exactly what's going to happen. I know how this is going to progress. And I, 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 we can just skip it. Yep. Which the flip side of that is it shows that they've done a good job developing her now. Cause it's like, that's correct. But the problem is if this happened a while ago, she clearly hasn't changed uh-uh. any cause we can predict her behavior in the past by her behavior in the future, in the present. Yeah. We can be like, Oh, well she would have done this. in you know, a few years ago, she clearly hasn't changed that much. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it, it was something else. I started to, I was bored yesterday and I once started to watch uh, an episode. I, there's a, another show on HBO called Station Eleven. And if anybody hasn't figured it out by now, I love post apocalyptic and dystopian fiction. Yep. So, Station Eleven, the description is post apocalyptic. And I was like, cool. So I put it on and I get 20 minutes into it and it's just nothing's happening. Yeah. And I'm like, yep, done. Like, to me, there is for all intents and purposes, infinite entertainment. If you make the first 20 or 30 minutes of your show suck, I yeah. why should I continue? Because well, there's like, more to watch. When you were talking about like, oh, that episode you were watching and like it starts really slow and it's like, ooh, it's hard for me to get into a show that starts slow. Right. Because it takes a lot for me to watch. I don't, I don't watch cinema or produced television much anyway. Yeah. So for me to make time for yours, you got to get me quick. Yep. And that's one of the things Last of Us did really well is it kicks off the apocalypse pretty quickly. It does. And one of the things I always end up in this struggle where like I really hate that most modern TV is told through flashbacks, especially like, like the the streaming stuff. Like if you yeah, watch like any it. anything that's on Netflix, it's like made straight for Netflix or anything like that. It's like half of today's episode is the past, half of it's yeah. the current. And that's just the standard way they write shows now. And that drives me fucking crazy. Yep. And I get why they do it in some situations because like 
you want to like if your show is about a zombie apocalypse you want to show the zombie apocalypse but going back in the past can mm-hmm. can help you inform the characters a little bit but like to me the the better way to write it is like you can tell a character's past by the way they're de- like they're acting in the present yeah. and a good writer is able to do that and it feels it feels very lazy where i'm going to have to literally sit through an entire episode to hear about Ellie and her relationship with this girl when you could have that could have been like a couple lines of dialogue mm-hmm. talking about her and like a good writer could have done like a five or ten minute scene. Yep. Like something along those do, lines. Well, but like you the, don't need 40 fucking minutes to tell this story. Like the speed flashbacks of like, you know, as she as she's recounting the story over this over a 10 minutes of dialogue. Yeah. She flashes through. 10 seconds of the first part of that show and then the 10 seconds of the middle of the show and then the last 10 seconds that matter. Right. So it's like, we're going to spend five minutes watching these two girls play Mortal Kombat (laughs) because that's what TV is now where it's just like, and it basically what it boils down to is those scenes are really cheap. Action scenes are really expensive and that's so that's just they're like, cool. And it could be a filler episode. Some episodes have to be cheaper so it's going to be more expensive. So I get that, but Fuck! Um, hate flashbacks. <laughs> I'm I'm not a big fan of them. The, the 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 few times I usually enjoy flashbacks is when, like, so I mean, like here, the thing. Here's the problem with this: where if you've been watching the show, like we know, especially by now, we know what happened. Like she's she has told us explicitly that she's gone through loss, that she had to deal with things like that. We so we know explicitly what's happened. The when flashbacks are the best is when we know some of what happened. But we don't know all of it. And you get to have all of it, like the big like aha moment. Yeah, where it's putting pieces together. Yeah. And then everything clicks in the future, like in the present. Yeah. And then you go, oh. Yes. You had the oh shit moment. That's what happened. Right. This is not one of those. This is, we're pretty sure exactly what happened. Yeah. And this is, we don't have money in the budget for this episode. Like we, we have this many episodes. Yep. And we have this much budget. So Two or three of them need to be relatively need cheap. To be a little quiet. So this is going to be yeah. talking the entire time, which to be fair, I don't even mind. One mm. of my favorite movies is 12 Angry Men. And it's that movie is spectacular. All it is is a jury debating the outcome of a trial you never see. And oh. the movie's over once jury deliberations end. That's oh. all it is. Okay. It's awesome. Like I 100% am on board with like just people talking because fundamentally that's what people do. And if, you know, unless you're like John Wick and you just don't talk and you just murder everybody. So like I'm on board with the people talking, but John Wick says 15 words, the whole movie (laughs) click. (laughs) (laughs) I I also re while I was up there, I watched John Wick's two and three. There was a a marathon on because the new one comes out on the 24th. So, oh, John, there's a fourth. Yeah, John Wick four comes out on the 24th. So he doesn't die in three. No, he does not. <laughs> Although he should like it's typical. He should have died in two. It's typical like sequel stuff. Yeah. But like they keep amping it up. He gets he's on top of the uh, the Continental. Uh-huh. He gets shot a couple times, then falls off the roof and walks away. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, cool. So he he's literally Dude, invincible. I will tell you in the second movie, <laughs> they kind of lost me when he was kind of losing a fight. Got hit by a car and fell down like three flights of stairs and then started running again. Yep. <laughs> they well, kind of like, lost me there. I can make the whole point is he's basically a superhero. He is. He it's, is. It's it's trying to make a grounded version of a superhero movie. 
So like that kind of stuff, the stuff where like in a fight, you can kind of tell like he, he almost, he's like, he has like instant recovery between fights. Yes. So like, He's a D and D character. Correct. He, took a <laughs> he short takes rest. a short rest. He recovers some HP, and yep. he's back to killing goblins. Yeah. So like you know, he gets his ass kicked, and you can tell within the fight he's getting tired. He's slowing down. He's taking. He's being injured and whatnot. Yeah. And then by the next fight, he's back to something resembling a hundred percent. Uh huh. But like at some, I mean, he did like in the second one, he gets like the bulletproof clothing, the armored clothing. He doesn't. He's not wearing that in the third one. He gets shot in the chest. Yeah. Which, by the way, <laughs> if you're wearing bulletproof, if you're wearing a bullet vest, like, it still might crack ribs. Oh, to be fair, it does do that. Like, he takes his shirt off and he's just covered in yes. bruises and shit like that. But, yeah, it was, I was like, really? I, I'll still watch them because they're fun. The first one is the only one that I actually, like, really genuinely love. The first John Wick is a spectacular movie. Uh-huh. The rest just have, like, really awesome action in them. They do. And it's, then It's very much... Um, which, in fairness, is the kind of movies I enjoy. For reference, I enjoyed The Expendables. If you shut your brain off, it's fucking awesome. Yeah. And the, and John Wick has very awesome scenes where it's like, if you just kind of shut your brain off a little bit, it's pretty awesome to watch this guy be a badass. Yeah. So I get, I definitely get that. And the third one, I know you hated it at the end of the second one where he kills the uh, dude in the Continental because it's kind of a big, like, break of character break there. We're like, it's just like that's probably not that's- something. And to me, I think it's at least somewhat justifiable, probably unlikely, oh, but it. possible. But like in the third one, it's like he he betrays people. Winston betrays him. Yep. Like it's just like a bunch of people acting out of character. And it really reminded me of Game of Thrones where like the writers are like, well, we got to subvert expectations here. Yeah. So like we're just going to make people do things they wouldn't normally do. I guess that's true. Because like the whole premise of the first movie is the reason John Wick is so amazing is he's cold and calculating and he'll wait. He will put in whatever amount of work it takes. That's the whole fucking Baba Yaga thing is like he is more determined than you can imagine. And he will put in the work, whatever it takes to make it happen. Um, that's not to say he can't have a moment of weakness. That's clearly what they were, we were portraying is he has this one moment of weakness where he says, fuck it, and blows the guy's brains out. But yeah, I wasn't. I don't know. Like, did it you felt, ever see the third one? I haven't. I want to. I just never get around to it. I want to. So he goes all the way to the he goes to Casablanca. So he goes all the way to the other side of the fucking ocean mm-hmm. to talk to so there's i do one of the things i love about the movie and we're kind of going long here but oh yeah we are i'll wrap this up shortly i, I haven't even gone over what i want to talk about the world they build so like and i love the way they talk about stuff so like the governing body is called the table and everything operates under the table oh okay that kind of thing some of them are puns but like you got to name stuff something yeah so he's basically uh excommunicated that's the whole plot of the third one. At the at the end of the second one, he gets excommunicated. Yep. Um, well, he goes to the one guy who sits above the table. That's his whole... So he travels, kills, you know, dozens uh-huh. of people to get there, talks yep. to this one guy. He's like, what do I need to do to be back in your good graces? Uh-huh. He tells him. He cuts his finger off. Then, it, like, two scenes later, he turns his back on that. Like, the entire middle portion of the movie is completely useless. Because, like, he goes there, cuts his finger off. He gets told... Hey, in order for you to get back in, you have to kill Winston at the Continental. Is Winston the... Winston the man, is the manager. Gotcha. Winston, and these are, again, huge spoilers if you haven't figured it out by now. So he goes back there, and Winston's just like, well, blah, blah, blah. They talk for like five minutes, and he's like, yeah, I'm not going to kill him. And then Winston, after John Wick doesn't betray him and betrays the guy and like completely fucks himself, uh-huh. shoots him at the end of the movie. 
I'm just like, what the fuck is going yeah. on? Like, like they're just they're just crazy for sake of crazy. Right. It's just, and to me, it would have made sense if you were going because, like, to some degree, I can get behind the if you're someone like John Wick, you can't have friends. Mm-hmm. So, like, if he's willing, he's just like, you know what? I've had enough of being because the whole the whole third movie is him being targeted. The whole second and third movie basically is what happens when you're excommunicated and he's just constantly under attack. Yeah. And I can get that being pushed to the point where like, I just want to be left the fuck alone again and I'll do anything to do that. Oh, I got to kill one dude. Sure. I've killed fucking 50 just to talk to you. Yeah. Like, and then he's like, nope, not going to do it. I just cut my finger off for nothing. Yeah. It was just really bad writing. The action's still pretty good. And to be fair, the action towards the end of it is also gets really over the top and goes off the rails. But I need to watch it. I, I'd like to. I'm, I'm not opposed to it. Got it on Blu-ray. Yeah, you know me it's in movies. 20 minutes from you. Yep, I know. Or 20 uh, feet from you. So I will recap my weekend because I did do something and we're already 17 minutes in. So it's okay. Everyone got an hour last week. So it'll be a longer episode this week. And we're recording early. So we have a little extra time. Um, I went to a store championship on Saturday. Did I even tell you about this? Yeah, you told me. Yep. Um, so last week was the RCQ. I got my I got my butt kicked. Um a little bit of scumminess went on, which is okay. Uh, and then I did just lose several games. The deck, uh, the deck shits the bed a lot. The deck alternates between being obscenely powerful and runs away with the game and does nothing. Occasionally we have close games where it pulls it through or I lose. And then it too often shits the bed. So I'm still tweaking it with that, but I went to a game or a store championship. I got a round one buy. I won round two against the guy I went with from our hometown and then I lost in round three. Um, it was really rough. I lost uh, one, two. I actually was on the draw game one, was able to win, and then just had the deck shit. Uh, and then, in fairness, game two, I got aggroed out by Athalia. Mm-hmm. And just, it's hard for me to beat, it's hard for me to beat Athalia. And I just missed a few land drops. I run yep. a low land count. Yeah, like Athalia plus missing land drops yep. is going to really set you back. Yep. And I've got cast loss spells. And then game three, uh, Which the Athalia, deck, just so I know. Uh, two mana. Two drop. Uh, Guardian of Three. Yep. Um, and that's what I was assuming. But. Yep. And then game three to shit the bed, uh, which even because I got a buy in one round two, I still got second place. So <laughs> it was, uh, I kind of felt bad, but I'll take it, I guess. And then uh, I did. I went two one on Monday with the deck where, you know, it it did really well. Um, I actually beat Boros and uh, Boros Agro, mm-hmm. Boros Heroic, which is kind of impressive because that's a very fast deck. Yeah. Not much interaction over here. When you just get to do your thing, you're swinging for lethal on turn three sometimes. Yeah. I was able to win that close, uh, you know, win one, lose one, win one. Very, very close. And sometimes a very safe lethal, too, where it's just like, uh, you only have a green creature, pro green swing. Yeah. Or it's, you know, it's a it's a it's a 12, 12 double strike trample. Yeah. Like uh, Fog brought it home, by the way. Yep. I was able to beat heroic by is with it was Eli. Eli is my I am Eli's nemesis. He almost never beats me. And game three, he swings for lethal. Fog. Oh, he was we were happy, but he was salty about it because it's just like of horse and then uh what he doesn't know is i've been holding that fog for four turns yeah but yeah well you're gonna hold it for the either lethal, lethal or the you know uh and then round two 17 damage kind of thing you know win one lose one shit the bed what are you gonna do and then uh round three just kind of brought it home it's like that the, I'm, I'm so i'm up in the creature count almost every week and so right now we're at i was playing with the list the creature count right now is at 19 yeah and with boros heroic at 18, I would still occasionally have games where I would just only draw like one creature. Yeah. Or so, two, maybe. Just the number of times I find literally zero creatures in the top 15, which is on the math, even at 
uh, right before this, it was 15 creatures. That is ridiculous, but it happens. Not not find one and it dies and not have another one. Just never find get one. zero creatures. Yeah. Especially so with that deck, if you only have, unless you're just flooded, if you only have one creature, they're the only thing that's the only non creatures protect your creatures. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. But we're at we're at 19 now. We're we're, we're taking our way up. So we're getting there. What'd you add? Bloated Contaminator. So the first thing I've added is four Land of War Elves. It's a 2-2 two, two split, but... Yeah, um, just to be I a just, little more explosive. More explosive. I wanted Ramp. The ability to uh, slam a Rot Priest on turn... You almost can't play Rot Priest on turn one. There's almost no turn one plays. So it's a very good fit where it is a turn one play. I don't care if it dies, really. it eat, That way it eats a kill spell. And then it ramps you into double protection for turn two. Mm-hmm. If you can slam a Rot Priest. Or what it does allow me to do also is slam a two-drop creature... And protect it. With protection. Yeah. And then uh, Bloated Contaminator. That do. Two, it's a very powerful new card. So, <clears throat> Matt, if I told you this creature, it's a rare, is a two and a green. What what keywords would you give it and what stats would you give it? Two and a green. Any more, it's got to be at least a 3-3. Three, three. Okay. Probably, I mean, you said it was a rare? It's a rare. It probably has two or three keywords and then another ability that has two or three lines of text. Okay. I've never seen it before. Yep. So two and a green for a four four. Yep. With trample, toxic one. Whenever it deals combat damage, proliferate. Nice. Yeah, very powerful creature. And so it, it's another poison enabler. It it um it fuels the poison side of it, and it also fuels the aggro side of it. Yep. Where there are games where I tempo you out and kill you. Have also plenty often. Like it's a it's I don't want to say it's a must answer threat, but going like turn oh, one land war turn two that oh, where I, like you can play that to kind of bait out some removal. Having played it and played against it, it is a it's a must kill. Yeah, that's well, most I mean, of the creatures in this I deck mean, are by itself. Like that game by yeah, like you're not gonna kill that over a rot priest or something like that. Like if they're both out, yeah. But like you go, hey, deal with this. Yep. What is relevant is, and I'm sure you caught this, it has Toxic 1 and Proliferate, mm-hmm. so it hits you, and then, and then prol- proliferates yeah, the counter up. Yeah. So it has Toxic 2, essentially. It effectively has Toxic 2, yeah. Pretty insane. Yep. So, um, and then the rest of the deck hasn't changed much. A um, couple unsummons. I've gone down to some threes here and there. So, like, Ivy, I only have three Ivies, mm-hmm. which that is just sense. terrible in multiples. I went down to three March of Burgeoning Lifes, because it just isn't great in multiples, you know. So, we're still figuring it out, but the deck is doing decently well. It's it's putting up enough results that I want to keep playing it and keep iterating on it. I'm hoping we're going to get there. The sideboard still sucks dick. It's like, doing better ever better than that uh, Esper controller. It is. It's much more consistent. It's two colors. <laughs> two colors yep. helps. Three colors is not... It's hard. Yeah, it, it, like, it's a weakness in Pioneer. After Gigantha, which actually has... I have cast Gigantha a few times. Oh, did you end up running them? Yep. Okay. Um, and Shaper Sanctuary, which is a duh. I have no idea what to put on the sideboard. I've, I've moved the fogs to the sideboard now. Um, so I've got like four fogs in the side. Just bring just them for in the against... heavy aggro decks. Yeah. But like I the, the sideboard is a joke still. Like other than Gigantha and Shaper Sanctuary and some number of fogs. I don't know. So we're still figuring that out. But I'm having a lot of fun playing it. And I so it's it's getting results. It's doing Leyline decent. Of the void. No. You yeah. beat Grease Fang. And that is true. That is true. I guess you do. I just I can't. And people so I, who run it never cast it anyways. <laughs> I tell you, I would be more inclined to run Leyline of Sanctity before Ley, before Leyline of the Void because while the Grease Fang is a problem, there's more Rakdos than Grease Fang, and I do fold harder to um, Thoughtseize well, than most decks. Go. And so I've thought about running three or four. It's just, it hurts my soul so much to put this card in there that I literally cannot cast or use in any way. I've been doing it for years. 
I mean, technically I can cast it with elves, but like you Not never really. fucking yeah. cast. And usually, especially in Legacy, by the time you can cast it, yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like so, they already got Grizzlebrand out. Yeah. So I, that's probably I just need to put four in there and just have that be a site because they, again, like I've had a lot of games where you, you already just, own them. Yes. Gotcha. There you I go. own at least three of them. I think I own four because I had them for um, Lotus Field because Lotus Field also folds yeah. pretty hard to Thoughtseize and uh, discard effects. That's the way the deck is attacked mm-hmm. is they go super heavy on like go blanks and thought seizes and duresses and shit like that. Okay. But that's, that's kind of my little recap on this deck. I've been playing with it. It's getting better every week. Um, but we got some news. What's the news, Matt? Uh, stuff got banned. We got a new patron. Fuck, oh. fuck the bands. Who cares about that? He was here. He was here for last week, but you weren't. So gotcha. you don't know about him. Fair enough. Um, that's uh, the only news. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all that matters to us. So we always give a shout out to our patrons every week. Uh, it's super nice that they they contribute in a financial way to help Matt and I get the pod, keep the podcast going, keep the lights on, and make improvements, buy new equipment, make upgrades. So we should always give a shout out to our patrons like Emperor, who puts the stuff on Reddit every single week, Ramblin' Rogue, Ashley, Eric, Monowolf, Ethan, CJ, Nate, Jameson, Asphalt, Ted, Mumbledown, Rob, M. And our newest patron again, Limit of Questions. Thank you so much for hopping in the Patreon. Thank you so much for helping support us. Thank you for listening to the extra Patreon content we make every week because it is fun to make, even though it's a lot of work. Yeah, if, thank you for joining. If Absolutely. you want to be a part of that cool Patreon, if you want to get into the private Discord, if you want to get that extra content or even get access to some cool merch, head over to patreon.com forward slash cantrip cartel. All right, Matt, what other news did we get? Uh, Wizards made an attempt at fix, fixing Legacy. They finally... That's how I will describe it. <laughs> the lead has been buried. We are half an hour in. Um, every podcast that you listen to regarding Legacy will open... The first 10 words they say will be about a ban. Yeah. We hide it 30 minutes in. Yep. But yes, uh, we finally got a ban. And it's actually a double ban. A two cards removed. So Matt, do you want me to lead this or would you like to lead this? Uh, I'll lead it. <laughs> Since it's legacy content, I guess. Sure. Um, so I'm going to use the restroom. Yep, sir. See you later. Uh, so uh, Wizards went ahead and banned Expressive Iteration and White Plume Adventurer. Uh, for anybody who's any legacy players living under a rock, Expressive Iteration, two mana, sorcery, look at the top three, put one of them in your hand, one on the bottom, and exile one you can play till the end of turn, and White Plume Adventure. So that was typically speaking most commonly and most powerfully used in blue red delver so that's kind of the target there uh got some splash decks as well which we'll discuss later on uh and then white plume adventure three drop three three etbs you take the initiative at the beginning of uh each upkeep untap a creature you control if you've completed a dungeon untap all creatures you control so basically a three drop initiative grab uh primarily attacking the white initiative decks that have been basically become the shoulders kind of a weird sentence become the shoulders to uh delver's head so they're both kind of head and shoulders yeah. above the whole format yeah um and complementing each other well where yeah. the decks that initiative is very good against are the decks that are good against delver yeah so like so like initiative helps limit some of the decks um that delver would 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 struggle against and delver helps limit some of the decks that adventure would struggle against yeah, and if you're a regular listener, you've probably heard us complain about Delver for literally the existence of this podcast, and to some degree, although to a lesser degree, complain about uh, Initiative. Yeah. Uh, so Especially recently, though, we've had a pretty consistent complaint 
the, our general thing is like, oh, 40% of the meta, 50% of the meta is two decks. Yeah. And that's been a pretty consistent where it's like, this is kind of fucking ridiculous. Yeah, so just so we have a little bit of data to back up what we're saying, I'm just going to open the challenge from uh, Sunday. Uh, so we've got, we're not going to go over the whole thing, but Blue Red Delver was 15% of the top 32. Uh, Initiative was only 6%. It only had two at the top 32. So we'll just look at the creatures. Uh, so yeah, Merktide's only in... Merktide's in 25% of decks, so it looks like there's a bunch of... Uh, right, Grixis. Grixis is in there. Yeah, there it is. It's there's So there's five blue-red and then three more Grixis. Yep. So 25% of this top 32 is Delver, Yep. and then 19% was White Plume Adventure. So that's your initiative decks. Yep. I mean, you're talking about 44% of yep. this. 40-plus. Yeah, 40-plus percent. Now, the interesting thing to me when we're talking about bands is looking at their justifications. And uh, I think Jake and I, before this, while we agree that both of these cards should go, kind of tore up this yep. <laughs> this ban announcement. So we're going to go through it a little bit. So, um, and I'm going to read portions and then we can talk about this. It's only like five paragraphs. So since the last update, the legacy metagame has evolved such that two major archetypes combine to make up a large portion of the field. These are uh, perennially popular as uh is it delver and the recently enabled mono white initiative with their combined presence approaching 30 percent. so this is the first thing i want to talk about we're not even going to finish this paragraph before we can call bullshit on something uh those of you who have been listening and were paying attention to legacy i forget exactly when but pretty recently there was a a ban announcement that kind of glossed over legacy yep. where they were like everything looks fine yep. blue red delver's only nine percent of the meta yeah so I would really like to know what the fuck they're looking at yep. when nothing's changed. Like, like the uh, current state of things, like Blue Red, Blue Red Delver has not skyrocketed since that ban announcement. No. We check the data every week. Mm -hmm. So now all of a sudden, with when they want to ban something, they cherry pick some data to back up their thing, to back up their argument. And now it's now these two decks are uh, you know, comprising 30% of the field. And it's just like, well, the last time you talked about this, Delver was 9%. When you didn't want to ban something, it was less than 10%. When you do want to ban something, I mean, arguably, if we just cut this in half, they're making at least the implicit argument that it's 15%. Yeah, so it, so double what it was before, supposedly, even though, even though again, nothing's really changed. We don't track league data, because it doesn't fucking matter. Right. Like, we look at legitimate tournament data online, and yeah, it hasn't changed appreciably at all. No. Except now they're implying it's almost more than doubled and that by doubled, it's only 15%. Right. Because what was it last? What was it this week, Matt? Yeah. 22? Yeah. 24? And again, that's, that's of the top 32. And, but I mean, either it's 24. So this is the thing. Either it's 25% of the top 32 and that gets lower as the as you count the whole thing, yep. in which case it's overrepresented at yep. the top tables, or it's twenty five percent across the board, yep. in which case it's still a huge. It's twenty five percent. Yeah, yeah like, one of one of two things has to happen: either it wins a disproportionate amount of time, so that only let's say the whole field has five percent Delver, and they all fucking show up in the top thirty two, or the whole field has thirty percent Delver and thirty percent makes it to the top thirty two. Correct. Which. So both of those are indicators there's a problem. Correct. And then they're doing the same thing with initiative, where they're like, oh, initiative's only 15% of the meta. I mean, we look at it pretty consistently. 15's pretty fucking low. 20 is pretty normal. Yeah. That's a pretty uh, a, a pretty uh, generous statement that it's only 15%. Yep. And again, you'll note that the last time they brought up league data, that 
you know, Blue Red Delver's win rate in leagues wasn't that important. This, so we're just going to finish this sentence. So with their combined presence approaching 30% of the field in some circles of competitive play, which, I mean, right there, they're telling you we're cherry-picking data. Yep. Well, but the implication, like, competitive play, that impl- implication to me is if you're looking at competitive play, you're probably looking at yeah. challenges. You have to be looking, to me, online challenges and major, like, if you were looking at Eternal Weekend. Eternal yeah. Weekend counts as competitive play. Sure does. If you're looking at local game stores with, like, 20 people showing up, that, to me, is not what I would draw yeah. any conclusions off of. Leagues are kind of competitive. A league is more competitive than... An F and M. An F and M. Yeah. But it's not as competitive as a challenge, which is why we don't really talk about them. Yep. Um, and it's also why when you see um like brews, the first place you see them is five owing leagues. Yeah. Because like that's step one. The oh my step gosh. one for a brew is five owing a league. Could, like could you imagine if we saw some of the brews that five owe a league in the top sixteen of a challenge? Right. We shit our pants. Yeah. Because fucking cause cause you see some pretty crazy stuff, five O League. Correct. I'm not saying it's easy. But I'm saying it's pretty doable. Well, going on a hot streak when you're talking about cards that are as powerful as they are in Legacy yeah. is something where as long as you're just not doing something fundamentally wrong with your deck, yeah. it's certainly possible. Yep. Like if you're playing one of the any, I mean, we've named them here multiple times. There's like 10, between 10 and 20 cards in Legacy that your deck needs to have in yep. them or some reason why it doesn't. If you're playing any combination of those things, you have a solid shot at 5 owing. And yeah. it's, again, assuming your deck is constructed well. Like, if you're a Lion's Eye Diamond deck or a Brainstorm deck or a Wasteland deck or a, yep. a chat, like, you can tweak the edges and play around with those kind of things, but, like, fundamentally, getting five wins in a row is something that's possible. Yeah, for sure. Which is why we don't talk about leagues that often, because we're talking about the best players playing the best decks with the highest stakes. That's what we're interested in. So finishing out this paragraph, we're choosing to ban one card, from each deck to lower their respective win rates and metagame shares. Again, now they're talking about win rates. They provide no data on win rates. Nope. And according to their un, you know, their non-ban announcement they did the last time, Delver's win rate, <laughs> Delver's win rate, <laughs> Delver's win rate was fine. It wasn't a problematic yeah. win rate. So, and as we've just discussed, nothing has fundamentally changed between then and now. Except um, now it's ban worthy. Except now it's ban worthy. And and it's a it's 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 a metric by which we have to lower the prevalence of the deck is its win rate because it's right. an oppressive win rate. Except three months ago it was fine. Right. It wasn't even notable. So so just for just for yeah. reference, um, talking about so I pulled up some of the interest some of the five O lists. This is from five twenty one of twenty twenty two. So this is I guess last year. So let me find a different list. I realized that was twenty twenty two. I saw oh, gotcha. I pulled up one. I was like, oh, there's a let me find a. Keep talking. Okay. I, I, I want to see, like, to, I'll give some lists of, like, some decks that 5 that and it's 5-0, like, right. I mean, uh, And that's, on. and to kind of back up why we don't, we discount, um, leagues. Yeah. So, uh, Is It Delver has been popular for quite, quite some time in Legacy, and it has picked up some notable recent additions, including DRC, Merktide Regent, Expressive Iteration. Note, all those cards were legal the last time they just dis- sure decided to, that the ban shouldn't happen. While we acknowledge and agree that many legacy players who enjoy the play patterns of Delver and similar archetypes, our data, which they don't actually cite, our data (laughs) indicates a need to take the win rate and popularity of the deck down a notch to allow for more metagame diversity and innovation. Our choice is to ban expressive iteration as the card quality and quantity it provides allows Delver to easily adapt to stay on top of any changes in the metagame. These are going to be related, so I'm going to continue. In addition to removing a generally a generally strong card, our hope is that by removing expressive iteration, we reinforce uh, is it Delver's historical strengths 
in parentheses, efficient one-for-one -one exchanges, and weaknesses, parentheses, lack of source of card quantity, in mm -hmm. a way that leaves the deck more vulnerable in the metagame. We've talked about that particular point before, how blue-red traditionally was an aggro tempo style thing expressive iteration pushes it a little bit towards a mid-game thing it allows it to recover as opposed to trading one for one and trying to squeak in that last lightning bolt like that kind of thing mm -hmm. and that's basically what they're talking about here and i actually for the most part agree with their justification here yep that's something we've talked about many times yep. expressive iteration is a card that is in is like brutally powerful in the Delver shell in particular. It's overall a very strong card. It's yeah. now been banned in two formats. Um, I think it's probably, I don't want to say it's a matter of time in modern because they don't quite have a couple of the other tools. Basically if they're cantrips, if they had, if modern had better cantrips, I think it would be. Yeah. Um, and then in Pioneer, it was just like the best thing to be doing. Like, it's just like the most, like they banned, when Pioneer came out, they banned all the really good stuff. And then they did another band wave and banned all the really good stuff. And yep. the leftover thing was like expressive iteration. And yeah, I still, I personally was fine with it. But like, there were like four blue red decks that all just ran expressive iteration. It was pretty yep. obvious that that was one of the strongest cards in the format. Um, So here's, this is from a, this is from a few weeks ago, the 25th of February. In the so there's always like there's full spice, semi spice. So yeah. so a normal deck that five out was pox. Yep. Like legit smallpox and innocent blood and thought season him. Like yeah. Because pox is a pox is a laughably bad deck, but it's still strong and yeah, it still can win five games in a five matches in a row. Absolutely can. And if we saw if we saw pox in a top sixteen tomorrow, we would shit our pants. Where it's like, oh right. my fucking god. Right. Well, and the thing is, we occasionally do see. Pox cousin, which is like mono black aggro. Yeah. And we're once like, holy shit. Moon. Like, you know, once at, basically yeah. once or twice a month, that deck will top 16. Yep. So um moving on or continuing, since the they're gonna go over the White Bloom Adventure now. Since the release of Commander Legends, Battle for Baldur's Gate, the initiative mechanic has a has had a large impact on the legacy format and continues to rise in popularity. The current second most popular deck uses fast mana, which we've talked about before, how that's fundamentally the problem, although we don't advocate getting rid of it. Uses fast mana to power out an initiative creature, gaining an early advantage that's difficult to recover from. To reduce the consistency and speed of this gameplay pattern, we're choosing to ban the efficient three mana initiative creature, White Plume Adventurer. Yeah. It seems to be... Um, so listen to the MTG Goldfish this week, and Joe Dyer was on there leader of the uh, MTG data collection project, Fall Wrath on everywhere. And he was talking about it. It's a, it's a very valid point where like the play pattern of turn one, get the initiative and then turn two. Sometimes you're swinging, you're already swinging for five. Yeah. Very oppressive, mm -hmm. very difficult clock to keep up with. And so, well, and the big thing is even if you, so if you drop that on turn one, say you're on the play, if they spend their turn one answering it, you still have the initiative. Yep, you're still getting advantage. You, have it, you can either you, try to deploy a threat and like, Play and like take back or you've whatever. Already, you've already secured your next land drop. You already drew a card. Yeah, uh, it's it is. I, I it's a very present. And so taking that definitely hits the deck very hard, and it forces them to probably wait until turn two, most games, to get the initiative. Yeah. So turn one is going to be if the deck even survives this is going to be relegated to probably lock pieces. Yeah. Is what we talked about. So again, I think we're on board with the reasoning there. Yeah. And again, I'm not even. My biggest gripe here is just I hate that we cannot get any consistency yeah. around like yeah. what we, we're going to ban and why. They banned the right cards, probably, from the right decks, probably. 
on just, accident. <laughs> just not necessarily for the. They didn't justify it with the right reasons. Right. They just, well, to be perfectly honest, I think Wizards pays so little attention to legacy they don't know. Yeah. Well, like, I get you. It would not surprise me at all if what has happened, and I have no data to back this up. This is pure speculation. It would not surprise me at all if what has happened is either A, someone periodically checks, because I kind of feel like this was around the same time that Ragavan got banned, like during the year. (laughs) It might be. I don't know. And I'd have to look that up. But again, that's neither here nor there. Or what has happened is Legacy has, its engagement on Moto has dipped to the point where it's become noticeable, which could also be around the same time of the year as Rag. You know what I mean? Um, So... January of last year. Gotcha. So the end of January, early February. So within a month and a half of now. Yeah. So that would be my theory is like if I had to hang my hat on one <clears throat> theory, I'd be like, yeah, what has happened is their metrics that show like how many games are being played, how many leagues are firing, how long it takes to fire a league. Like yeah. That kind of stuff has started to tick up. And that's basically what happened with Oko the last time is we stopped firing challenges. Yep. And same thing with Ragavan, like Saturday challenges was just were just no longer a thing. <laughs> yep. Like um, it would not surprise now we to be fair, we haven't gotten that bad, but we also they changed what a challenge a cha- Saturday challenge takes to fire. So it's only takes 32. It used to take 64. So they're consistently firing, but they we don't know exactly how many people are in it. Mm-hmm. Um so that would be my guess is something they it would not surprise me at all if there was some metric that when it gets hit, it sends an email to some dude who's <laughs> like, hey, you should take a look at the legacy metagame. People aren't playing it. Like, something to that effect probably is what caused this. Mm-hmm. Which is why there's been no fundamental change. The other thing, my other theory on this. Would you like to guess what month Oka was banned? February. February. Yeah. So January, February, March. So they basically check legacy once a year. Well, just, in the spring. we can't say that. What we can say is this three, the last three significant bannings that we've seen in legacy happened January, February, March in these yeah. first three months of the year. First quarter. First quarter is what kind of what it probably boils down to. Yeah. Um, the thing that made me, and I was kind of suspicious this would happen. And I actually talked about this a little bit with Jake. There seems to be an attitude towards non blue decks in legacy. And my impression of it, of what happened, was Initiative came on the scene, was an immediate rival to Delver. Although, to be fair, if we're looking at the challenge data, it's not quite as popular or prevalent. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's kind of the shoulders to Delver's it, head. It, it, like, it owned the le- the challenges for a few weeks and then settled into a semi-consistent yeah, one or two. Consistently the second best deck. Yeah. And what happened was that pushed them to the point where it's like, well, we can't have two decks doing this. Yeah. But if we just ban something from initiative, then people are going to lose their fucking minds. Yep. And so they, they're like, well, we're going to have to ban something from Delver too. Yeah. That was my takeaway from this was um, like, obviously like double decks being or two decks being this oppressive is very much more stymieing a uh, deck diversity and all that. But like, we were totally cool with one deck doing this for a long time, mm-hmm. a really long time. Now there's two decks doing it, and it's a fucking nightmare. It's yep. now it's a problem, and we have to hit both of them. Yeah, and like that is where I'm. I'm not okay with that. Like, if it's not okay for two decks to do it, it's not okay for one deck to do it. Correct. And to clarify, we're not saying ban Delver. We're not saying ban the shell, but like Delver shouldn't be 18 to 26 percent of the meta on any given challenge. Top 32, right? Regularly. 
Yeah, I mean, it's once every in, week. Once like, in a while is fine, but regularly. Yeah. Yeah, that's not, um, I should say not, not happy with their justification, but definitely happy with the band. I was ecstatic when I saw yeah, it. Yeah, I, mean, I was. It's, it's something to change. It's good news. Yes. It's a step in the right direction. <clears throat> I'm agnostic as to the overall effect. Um, I'm not convinced that it will be enough. I'm convinced it's not. If we wanted to, if we wanted to impact Delver in a meaningful way, what has happened is we talked about this earlier. Delver's gotten five, right? Four, Fun, really four. There's a couple four and change. It's kind of like four and change because there's DRC, Merktide, Ragavan, Expressive Iteration. Those were the four big ones. Yeah, they've now lost two of them, well, but they've also I, got stuff like Mystic Sanctuary. They, well, Delver ran. Uh, Delver ran Dreadhorde Arcanist, I guess. Yeah. So but yeah, I I kind of like I whenever I think of that I kind of start it at expressive iteration because that was okay. right around the time so, of yeah. the ban. So they've seen four just legitimate distinct upgrades that before they had these four since upgrades, the last time their deck was banned out of existence. By the way, yeah, <laughs> well like, not out of existence, but since the last time like, they ate a ban. Yeah, Delver was pretty good. Delver was probably the best deck in the format, not oppressively good, but pr- probably the best deck in the format. They got four strict upgrades and some of the most powerful cards ever printed in regards to legacy what's going to be legal right now and they've lost two of them and people are wondering if is that going to knock delver down so it isn't the best deck and it's like of course not they still have gotten two amazing upgrades amazingly powerful cards you have taken two of their amazingly powerful cards but they still have two more like like reanimator got one arguably better upgrade maybe maybe one and a half because like archon and attracts are kind of better but like like what's Tess gotten? What's Show and Tell gotten? Maybe Atraxa. What's Death and Taxes gotten? What like well, all Death these decks is fucking dead? To be fair, there probably are cards that Death and Taxes has gotten. We just haven't seen it because yeah, it hasn't been. That's enough. true. But like these decks that have gotten maybe small upgrades, maybe a, a definitely a, a pivot to try something like Archon attacks the game way different than Grizzlebrand does. Atraxa attacks the game way better than Grizzlebrand does. Like maybe upgrades, and then Delver's just gotten. Four total, two remaining, just strict upgrades. This card's just better. Yeah. Just way fucking better. Yep. Like, I think, I absolutely think it's the, now, not complaining. This is a step in the right direction. But I don't think it's going to be enough. My, that's, that's the point with me. That's the sticking point is, I think it depends on what we define as enough. I'm not sure it's not enough be, for one, for two main reasons. One, because there's just too many variables. Two, I'm not even sure what enough is. So, like, it's hard to define, like, what, like... 15% being a good week for Delver. I think we're probably close to that. I think, think so. Expressive Reiteration would, if I had to bet, would probably get us there, assuming nothing else changes. I bet 15 will be the standard week for Delver. I want Delver to be, like, 10 to 13. I mean, give or take, guys. I'm weird. Yeah. But, like, 10 to 13 and, like, oh, wow, Delver did, had 16%. That's a good week for Delver. I think, I think, I think where we're going to see is Delver is sitting... But like 15 ish, 15 to 18, and 20 will be a good week. Gotcha. Well, we'll see. Or, but yeah, we'll see. We will I, see. I'm, like, if I had to guess, it's kind of the, the next couple weeks are just going to be chaos and the data is going to be noise. Of course. It's just going to be noise. Yep. Um, so, like, that'll be something. It'll be interesting to talk about, but it's not going to be something we can be like, aha, I was right nope. a yep. week afterwards. So, it's going to be hard to tell. Uh, unless it agrees with, with what I said and then, then it is validated. Right. Um, well, to be fair, I think over the next couple of weeks you'll probably see a shit ton of Delver just because people are trying to figure out what what yeah. it what Pe- goes in those people slots. People will be playing with it, right? And if and in a 
in a turbulent meta, tempo is probably going to be pretty good anyway. Yeah, it's it's still great. Um, to be perfectly honest, I would it would not surprise me at all to see elves do really well in the mm, next yeah. couple weeks. Um, not only is it a very powerful deck, it's a very proactive deck. Yeah, and uh, it traditionally had decent game against Elver anyways. I bet you're going to see a fuck ton of combo. With yeah, well, it just can't. Well, I mean, that's one of the reasons. why I mean, like basically proactive decks. Yeah. In legacy, proactive pretty much means Delver or combo. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's no aggro deck. Yeah, that's true. But well, there uh, was. We just banned it. Yeah, we just banned it. I'm also not. I'm not convinced that Initiative is dead as a deck. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's possible to pivot. Jake and I had actually talked again. We were talking about that before. <laughs> Basically, I was eating right before we um, uh, were recording, so we were uh, yep. discussing some stuff. And it would not surprise me at all if Initiative tries to like chuck one of the the like flex slot creatures that they hadn't really were 100 percent solid on anyways. Yeah, put in. Like swap that for another initiative creature, like the next best one, whether that's the green one that's soon to come to Moto or the red one that's already there. Yep. Um, probably. I mean, given the fact that it's, I don't think the green one's on Moto yet. It's gonna be the red one for now. Yeah. And then throw in something like Trinisphere. Yep. To replace the three drop, so you still have that critical mass of like, yeah, you're not taking the initiative on turn one, but you're still playing you're still doing something incredible yep. incredibly powerful on turn one be a lot more similar or a lot more similar be uh more akin to like dragon stompy yes like the red prison decks we've seen forever and now instead of leveraging rabble master or fable the mirror breaker you're going to leverage some of these dungeon cards yeah so th this initiative yep and that's that's one of the trade-offs it also would not surprise me at all if uh red prison does really well this weekend um that'd be just you we all know the power of yep those initiative cards it's already a pretty decent deck it's basically pre-built uh-huh and now it's going to be taking advantage of basically delver players flailing around trying to find the right card to replace expressive iteration yep. with um which i don't know what that is and i bet a lot of i also bet like with with delver being upset and with the premier aggro deck being upset like i bet there'll be a lot of jank flying around where people are like there's gonna be a lot of like does my deck work like is this good again can i play this just in general just to back up your point there's going to be a lot more people playing that is true too i mean because i mean as we talked about like this stuff really only happens like wizards they don't want to ban cards no it hurts their brand yep. they ban cards when it's affecting their bottom line effectively yep. and i would hope that this is a signal for people to like blow the dust off their keyboard and play some moto yeah um maybe go to maybe they'll be enough uh like hype generated from this that like you get some paper tournaments firing over the next few weeks yeah so just some more interest in legacy with like and the, we've seen it happen before too yep where watsi once again acknowledges they're willing to manage the format a little bit and that is just more that's incentive to play again if they really all they'd have to do is just bump it up from one a year to two because mm -hmm. like i the argument everyone makes and it's true to some degree is legacy is a it's really complicated. There's a million fucking cards. It's super powerful. For the most part, Legacy is able to police itself. Yep. There have been times over the past several years because of Watsi's power creep mm -hmm. that that has not been the case and they just wait too fucking long. Yeah. And it's just like you need to be willing to come in basically in quarter one and quarter three, really look at the format and be like, that's a fucking problem and yep. kick that basically and the new shit out. Like you can start working on 
some of these long-standing cards or decks that have been long-standing problems. Like Delver's been a problem for a long time. Yep. Like it's, it, it, it could probably get hit one more time and still be good enough. Yeah. And fundamentally, I don't think that's like at this point, I've lost all hope that that's ever going to happen. Like, I mean, you you've got a there's like somewhere between five and ten cards that the Delver shell has been has effectively gotten yep. banned. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. It's just they and it, I've made the argument myself where it's like legacy. It's in the name. It's old cards. Yep, keep the old cards. Keep the old cards. But at some point, uh, and I'd be fine with that if they just did it more often. Yep. But like, you, you can't have a format that sucks for nine months out of the year. Yep. Every I single agree. year. Like I that's, agree. Like that's currently what's happening is nine months out of the year, Legacy has sucked for like the past four years because they just let stuff uh, sit. On a numbers on a numbers basis, it sure has. And I, I haven't personally seen it, but how many what do you want to bet if you went looking hard enough, you could find somebody that just bought vo- volcanic islands yesterday to build blue red delver. Oh, of course. Because Seven months ago, or whenever the fuck that ban announcement was, yep. they're like, no, Legacy's fine. Blue Red Delver's fine. We don't see any problems no here. No problem at all. Nothing has changed since then with Delver. There was the addition of uh, Initiative, but like nothing has changed since then. So we're just going to, I guess now, I get, why wouldn't yep. I buy into this? Deck? That's what I did with Oko. Yep. Oko ran amok for a long time. And I was like, well, it's Oko and Ashley have been here for a while. I guess they're, it's safe. They're probably going to stay. I'll start buying into it. And I put my Oakland, my Astrolabe, started buying into the deck, and it's gone. It turns out, don't buy a deck for Legacy until quarter two. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> yep. Wait until, like, April or May, and then you're good to go. So, so Matt, um, huge upset in Legacy, then. We've kind of given our thoughts on it. Um, give me your tight 10 on what you think Delver's going to look like going forward. So, A... <laughs> Jake and I talked about this, which is why he's forcing me to talk about it. Uh, I think that's very difficult to predict. Yeah. Oh, impossible, probably. It's, yeah. I mean, especially from the outside looking in. Like, yeah. Um, as everybody who listens know, I, I gave up on Delver when Merktide Regent was printed. I basically just dropped the deck. Yep. So, like, I haven't been playing it. Um, I have no interest in playing it anymore. It's not the same kind of deck that I wanted to play. Yeah. That I bought into. Um, there's been a lot of talk. Um, about like cards like predict. Yeah, predicts man. Pe- people need to put their predicts down. Like the card's okay. The card. The problem is the card has a really high ceiling, but it's clunky as fuck. Yeah, it does work well when you enable it with DRC and Bobble, but like I don't think predict is the answer. I don't. I'm. I think I agree with you there. I personally don't think predict is going to see real heavy play. Ledger Shredder, I could I could see them pivoting into something like Ledger Shredder. We've seen it have success before. Yep. Um Mercurial Spell Dancer's got a lot of hype right now that it was it was kind of fighting for those spots anyway. Yep. Um it's 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 kind of it's again a very clunky card, but it can be really strong. So that's definitely an option. If I was gonna do it, if I was gonna like if I was going to play Delver tomorrow, you know what I'd run? I'd just fucking run chain lightnings. I would be aggressive as fuck. Fuck. I was thinking Sprite Dragon. If you're looking to fi- if you're looking to fill the two um the two slot, yeah, I would I was Sprite Dragon and just go aggressive as fuck. I would be I would personally I would go <laughs> leaner on the mana base so I can be a little more consistent there. Yeah, and just be have more one drops. And I just want to chain lightning everybody out like lightning bolt, lightning chain, lightning bolt, chain lightning, Delver DRC, Merktide, and just every single turn go to face with something. Yep. Because uh, what we just say, like aggressive decks in a tumultuous metagame 
typically speaking do well. Yep. So it's just like, I want to be super aggressive. I'll let some other dude figure out what actually yep. is the best shell. What is it's, too clunky and what isn't. What I do know is lightning bolts are really good fucking card. Yep. Chain lightning is too. <laughs> Chain lightning is too. <laughs> yep. So that's where I would go. Like, that's my initial thing where it's just like, well, this is simple. I know it works. I, I don't, I haven't played enough that I personally would want to mess with the creature count. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't want to run sprite drag. I wouldn't want to replace a non-creature with a creature as you know what I mean? So that's yeah. like, that I mean, it may end up happening. Yeah, it, it doesn't pair well with DRC. It doesn't pair well with Delver. So right. I get that. It doesn't pair well with Merktide. So that's where I, I just be like, I just throw lightning bolts in people's fucking faces all day. Yeah. <laughs> just, well, this worked uh, a year and a half ago. So <laughs> it'll probably work <laughs> now. Probably work now. But yeah, um, I agree that it's I, basically impossible to predict what, what the deck is going to settle with yeah. in terms of like what fits in that two slot. Does it go, does it run more bobbles and lower the mana curve or does it throw, does it find a different one drop it wants to run or does it try a different, is it looking for a card advantage engine or is it, does it pivot back to just a straight tempo engine and doesn't worry about card advantage or, yeah. I mean, I'll tell you in, in like two months. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious to see the overall effect of banning expressive iteration. Cause as we discussed, there were a couple combo decks that ran oh, yeah, it and four color I mean, control ran any, it. Any deck that ran blue red or or could run blue red ran a special iteration. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I'm curious to what the control decks will look like now because they were primarily in red for expressive iteration, but it it obviously also bought them pyroblast. Yep, which is a big deal. But I'm not sure how important pyroblast is going to be in the short term if Delver if the expressive iteration hits Delver as hard as people hope it does. Yeah then your pyroblasts, you don't necessarily need them, so maybe yep. you don't need to be in red in general as think, a control deck. Think blue-white control's back? Uh, I would probably still stick with Bant. Yeah. Um, Uro's the other pretty quest, fucking good. Uro's really fucking good. To be fair, though, you lost Expressive Iteration, but Minskin Boo's also still really fucking That's good. That's true. Um, I'm not sure if it's enough, maybe, because it's one of those things where you have to look at, like, if you're going from three to four, you have to look at what that fourth color brings for each other color. Yep. And it's like, well, it's at this point, red got you Minskin Boo and Expressive Iteration and Pyroblast. Now you're yeah. losing the Expressive Iteration. Does that mean black is now better? No, it doesn't. It could be. I don't know. Like we discussed, Thoughtseize is a really good fucking card. There's a million other. <clears throat> black has good sideboard cards. Yeah. You don't get a ton of stuff in the main, but like it has really good sideboard yeah. cards. I can see black being your fourth color. But, and it just, and, and in typical fashion, it's a control deck. So what's going to happen is it's going to wait for the meta to settle. Then it will build its deck to yep. beat the meta. And I mean, we've seen that churn a million times. Like you don't want to, like if you were playing in a tournament on Saturday, don't control, bring a control is deck. the worst <laughs> deck to register. Yes. <laughs> be pushing dudes into the red zone. Like, yeah. You need to be like, what do you, what, what do what you do plan you, on controlling? Yeah. Like, yep. What, what, what are your, what are your threats you're going to be answering reliably? Right. Because I, good luck. Who fucking knows what's going to show up? And to be fair, there is some truth to it's going to be Murktide, DRC, and Delver is going to yep. be there. Elves are going to be there. Yep. And then some. How much? But how much combo enemy. hate do you put aside? Right. How how heavy do you go on counter spells versus removal? How mm-hmm. what, all what, the fine tuning? What is threat package the are you going to be riding to victory? Right. Because well, your threat package needs to be at least somewhat resilient to the other deck's sideboard against you. <laughs> like it, it's there's so many factors yep. that. Um, which is why I, a lot of podcasts will spend their day theory crafting. I'm not, that's fine with it. I just, I think it's just a futile effort to try, trying to theory craft yeah. what cards will pop into that. And I would rather just wait and see what happens. Yeah, me too. 
Well, Matt, yeah, that's um, legacy. We're not even going to yeah, touch we, the challenges because yeah. they're they're completely irrelevant. Yep, we never talk about whenever whenever there's a significant banning, which all bannings presumably are significant. There's no yeah. point in going over a, a results because like none of those. I, I bet most of those cards have a ba- have banned cards in them. Most of those decks, so quite a bit of them do. Yep. I mean, you've got. Ooh, actually, I do want to talk about one. Give me oh, a second. Geez, of course. No, there was a Selesnia initiative, and we uh we had actually talked about that. I'm curious if it's running that. No, it's just mono white with one spot on time. Cool. <laughs> Selesnia. Like Grixis Delver. Yep. <laughs> Running stuff out. Well, if that's the case. Let's pop over to modern. And it's uh we did have a super qualifier. So this is definitely one of those where uh the big guns are out. People are here playing for realsies. And we see what for realsies means. It means indomitable creativity, apparently. Uh-huh. It means combo, and it means archon of cruelty. It means doing broken things. And I didn't win. Uh, in first place, we had B Madman with this. Is it Ragavan? Sorry, technical difficulties. Quick jump cut back to me. Uh, this uh, B Madman with a like, generic Ragavan. Is it deck with Ledger Shredder DRC Ragavan? Um, probably the most interesting. There, there's two interesting cards looking at this list that I think are kind of cool. The list is kind of all over the place. One is an offer you can't refuse, mm-hmm. which I think is an incredibly powerful and relatively underplayed card. Um, this one mana to counter a non-creature spell, but they get two treasures, but it, it usually doesn't matter. Yeah. The 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 mana acceleration is very real. It's a very real cost to a counter spell, but one blue to counter any non-creature is pretty insane. And two remand. A, a card that we do not see very often in modern anymore just because of like like just like raw tempo isn't what you're going for as often you're going for legit answers and one in a blue or that that you usually have access to legit answers mm-hmm. like i mean you have straight up counter spell but sometimes what's more important is just tempo and keeping cards in your hand yep yeah just buying turns for your yep for your uh drcs and your ledger shredders to hit and it's probably good to have a rand or two in your graveyard when you're going off with Underworld Breach, because it is a really good card to if you had to breach out and counter one of their spells and keep the keep the cards flowing. But this is that deck we've seen where it's it's kind of mid rangey, a uh, little tempo-y, and it has Underworld Breach to recoup a lot of value with things like Bobbles or a lot of the a lot of the spells like like Thought Scour to to refuel, keep going. Like Thought Scour doesn't quite go infinite, but it 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 draws a lot of cards. Yeah, Thought Scour and Underworld Breach draws a lot of cards. So, sure does. So, uh, well done bringing it home, bringing home that modern super qualifier. Next up, uh, a deck that I'm another another deck that is no surprise to see this high up in the challenge results is Recto Scam. Yeah, Grief Fury. Uh, the biggest addition here is one Magus of the Moon in the main, so a little bit of extra uh, greedy mana base attack going on with the three blood moons which definitely paid off in this top eight <laughs> definitely pays off you're gonna play, be playing against creativity which um uh creativity i believe while it is mostly red does have a lot of other stuff going on in it so you can really slow them down by locking them out of blue or black uh but other than that nothing else is uh particularly innovative in this recto scam list i know we say it every week but god fable of the mirror breakers just Really good card. Yep. It's very good. everywhere. I'm pretty sure I got mine. I think it was Mono Wolf who uh, who sold me his, and I appreciate it very much. I've got, I think I got three from him, and I ended up picking up a four, so I got my full four of just to have them. I like having them. Oh, I meant to tell you. So one of our, I think our first like actual tangent, um, Joe Dyer was talking about there is a uh, 
there's a new Miracle card in the Warhammer 40k decks mm-hmm. that he thinks could make Blue White Miracles playable again. And I was like, fuck. Because I play Blue White Miracles or Blue White Control. Yeah. Miracles is probably the best way to play Blue White Control if you're looking for an actual finish the deck or finish the game. And I was like, I don't really want to buy Warhammer 40k cards, but what is it? And it's a it's either a five mana or a six mana five five with lifelink. Mm-hmm. As miracles for one and a white. So it's a two mana five five lifelink at instant speed, if you can enable it. Yeah. And then I believe it said when it dies, you may shuffle it with the top six cards of your library. Gotcha. And it's kind of and then put it on and then put them cool. on top. And so it kind of stays in the top of your library somewhere in there, and you'll be miracling it back soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're ten dollars a piece. Oh, yep. Because they're in the Warhammer 40k decks. Sounds about right. And who knows, they might be on the reserve list because they're in the Warhammer 40k decks. So what would be nice is, um, one, they're not on Arena anyway, so there's no one's test- or not, they're not on MTGO, so no one's testing with it. I definitely get it. A two-mana 5-5 five, five with Lifelink uh, could be a very, very powerful Miracle card. Yeah, it's just much better, like, and in different points of the game. And then it, it does come back. Yeah. I think if it gets eggs out, like, if it gets swords, it's gone. But it has the option of, of constantly coming back if it gets answered. Being a nice recursive threat like mm-hmm. that is really strong, but I'm not willing to pay $10 for it. So printed magic version of it, please. Right. Um, anyway, back to this. Uh, listen, nothing nothing crazy going on in this uh, Rakdos, Rakdos scam deck. Next up, we got Monogreen Tron sporting that Cityscape Leveler again, that 8-mana eight 8-8 eight, eight, that ET, or on cast, was it Exiles, right? No, on cast destroys a non, non-land permanent and make a treasure token, or make a power token, power stone token, and then also has unearth for eight. So it's on cast and attack, and it has unearth for eight. So the ability to just be bringing eight eights in from the graveyard. I mean, it, always destroying things, and then just also bashing in for eight or 16 yeah. is pretty fucking dope. Um, three Karn liberated. So last week, I believe, I don't remember, did we see Karn get cut last week, or did we talk about it? Because I was talking... I wasn't here last week. I don't know. Well, two weeks ago. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, I, I can't remember if we saw Karn get cut or not. I don't remember either. Maybe not. Because traditionally, like Tron, like it's kind of one of those like sacred cows. Like seven Karn is kind of a sacred, like seven Karn, Ugin are kind of sacred cows. Mm-hmm. Um, worm coil engine of the Tron lists. And I've seen those numbers like ticking down or getting played with where like seven mana Karn just might not be good enough. A lot of times we're like, like it comes in and what does it do again? It, it exiles a a card from their hand or a permanent. Yeah. And that's a lot of mana. I mean, effectively it costs three, but even then it's a three mana like, seize or a three. It's like a vindicate. It's not. Yeah. It's quite often not turn three. It's a, it's your well, three mana, but like, well, but, what I'm saying is like, that's the deck is firing when the deck yeah. fires, you either exile a permanent or make them discard a card. Nice. Sort of. Yeah. That's not enough anymore. Correct. Because I'll discard a card and then I'm going to re or I'll exile a card and then I'm going to go ahead and discard Archon and reanimate it and kill your card. <laughs> so, like, it's just not enough. Yep. So, I've, I've seen those uh, kind of those numbers getting played with and those sacred cows kind of getting disrupted a little bit. Uh, but after that, nothing else really going on in this main board. Modern hasn't seen a whole lot of interesting lately. Uh, there have been a lot of shakeups. Some fun stuff did come in, which I talked about last week without you. There are some fun things that came in from Frexia, but uh, not a ton. And it doesn't make sense that for the most part, this top eight is tried and true bangers. We know what we're doing, which I mean, when the stakes are high, 
You're not bringing your bruise to a super qualifier. You're here to right. fucking win. Yep. Talking about here to fucking win, fourth, fifth, and sixth are Indomitable Creativity, a deck that we haven't even seen recently. We Creativity's been doing more work in Pioneer than in Modern, and I think it's very much that it was for a long time. It was the Boogeyman. Indomitable Creativity became the premier combo deck, in my opinion, in Modern for a long time, and then it kind of just disappeared. Like... We started seeing Orvar, like two to four Orvar in every sideboard as a preparation for it. And it just kind of faded away. It wasn't good enough, which means it is the perfect time for it to show up to a super qualifier and fucking crush. Putting up 18.75% of the top 32. Six copies. Yeah, and three in the top eight. And taking three spots in the top eight. Um, Bouncing through these lists, they look... Pretty similar. Fifth and sixth are basically the same deck. Uh, the fourth place one has a couple. It doesn't have your leyline binding, and it's got like a couple persists. So like it's a little bit different. Yeah, it definitely. Well, there's no white in the main board. Yeah, that's yeah. It, you, they've cut white from the main board entirely. Whereas fifth and sixth have basically the, they have Teferi and uh, leyline binding as like your two really good white cards. So obviously trimming down on mana a little bit to be a little more. Resilient to Blood Moon. Mm-hmm. It's probably your ears. There's more consistent on the mana in general and more resilient to Blood Moon in general. And uh, clearly it did well. It bumped it up into uh, the semifinals. Like that, that's the list that made it to the semifinals. The other two got knocked out in the quarterfinals. Yeah. Uh, seventh place, a deck that we haven't really seen do anything in modern, Esper Control. Yeah, Control in general has not been doing well. The it hasn't closest- been, and it hasn't been Esper either. It's been yeah. Blue White. Yeah, the closest thing really that we've seen with control is some sort of like it kind of like the um the blue red like what am I thinking what, of? What are you talking like about? Tide. That's the closest thing. That's like oh, like the most yeah, controlling like blue, deck. Yeah, just blue red Murktide. Yeah, blue just red isn't Murktide. Murktide. Like with it's counter just, spells and and bolts yeah. and shit like that. And I know that's not a control deck, but yeah. that's kind of the most the closest thing to a successful yeah. control deck. Like legitimate seen. legitimate interaction, legitimate counter spells and then beats. Yeah, the rest of modern is pretty I don't want to say degenerate, but very, mm-hmm. very like. And then you've got this. So you've got four Timeless Dragon, which is an amazing card. I'm glad to yeah. see it getting a lot of play. You've got nine Planeswalkers, four Three Fairies, three Wandering Emperors, and two Five Fairies. Now in the spells, what is Black buying us? Well, Black is buying us um, the two things it does best. Well, that's like, for sure the one thing it Discard does best. Discard and removal. Discard and removal. So we've got. Seven Thought Seizes between Thought Seize and Inquisition of Kozilek. Damn, which is a phenomenal, a phenomenal. Yeah, Damn's really good. Uh, removal spell slash board wipe if you can enable it with black and white. And one of my legitimate favorite cards, Drown in the Lock. Drown in the Lock, I think, is a criminally underplayed card for eternal formats that have fetch lands because the graveyard is just, if you're not emptying their graveyard, it is often so full. Murktide is probably the only exception where Murktide is legitimately keeping their graveyard somewhat cleaned up in spurts. Mm-hmm. But like Drown in the Lock is such a powerful card. One or blue and black to either nuke a creature with CMC less than cards in graveyard or counter a spell. So versatile when you can enable it. And most people will enable it for you by playing Fetchlands, which is so good. And then another relatively new addition that is kind of been seeing a lot more play in Pioneer. Temporary lockdown. Yeah. That card's very strong when you're wanting to have an answer to just go white strategies or just a lot of little things. Where you when essentially when you are no longer able to answer one for one, like the sec wants to do, 
you've got dam and temporary lockdown to come in and clean it up. If you're going to go wide or you're going to commit a more to the board than I can reasonably answer, I'll just kill it all at once or I'll exile it all at once. Yep. And the nice thing is with both of those, you don't have to wait till turn four to fire them off. Damn, you can just trade one for one if you yep. want to. And temporary lockdown comes down on turn yep, three. Comes down on turn early, which if you're if, if temporary lockdown is going to be good, they have probably committed quite a bit by turn three and you're happy to snag yeah, a, sw- a even quick a, three for one. Yeah, a three for one or a two for one. Yep. And then you get your finishers. Your finishers are going to be things like Shark Typhoon and probably Five Fairy. Wandering Emperor can definitely finish games. Like I've definitely seen games where you get the board kind of stalled out. We're both top decking or we don't have much going on. And Emperor just making a creature every other turn. Yeah. Like, you know, make a 2-2, then make it a 3-3 attack. Make a 2-2 attack with a 3-3, then make it a 3-3 attack for six. Like, Like that absolutely just it's. It's that unstoppable wave that it will take time to kill you. It's not the fastest, but it's very reliable. And all I have to do is protect her and answer your shit. Yeah, and it's a very shields up kind of play because your tokens have uh, vigilance. vigilance. So yep. you're just making attack sets in. of two twos and three yep. threes to sit there and gum up the board and attack, attack in when are, they can. Attacking in is very easily. The yeah. plus one giving it first strike is super relevant. It makes mm-hmm. you very easy. It makes it so where you can easily attack into mediocre blocks and they become bad blocks because like... Yeah, you have a 4-3, I have a 4-4, it has first strike. Right. So, and then if you want to attack my Emperor, I'll gladly trade my 4-4 for your, and then I'll, okay, now I have a 3-3. Three, three. <laughs> Let's yep. do it again. Uh, really, really powerful card. I'm glad I have, I'm glad I've gotten my four Emperors. I don't think they're going up in price. They kind of settled out at that like 20-ish dollars, $25, but <clears throat> very happy to have my four because I that card's really good. And then the sideboard, you got a little bit of everything going on here. More removal, more kill spells, uh, some graveyard hate. You know, a single ley line of sanctity, which is hilarious to me. Like, <laughs> I'm going to run one ley line. What a weird, because like, ley line of sanctity, you you can cast it. You don't want to. What a weird percentage to put in your deck. Like, I have, you know, a 1 in 60 chance. Or no, I have a 7 in 60 chance to start the game with a yeah, ley line of sanctity. I'm curious exactly what that's. You just, you so rarely see those anywhere less than three. It's either three or four. Um, but just, yeah, just good, like more, just being able to, this deck is able to double down more and more, whatever it needs, you know, more removal, more counter spells, more planeswalkers. So it's a really cool list. I mean, I would love to play this in modern. I have, I technically have two, my first, my, my two modern decks selected. I never bought the second one, but it's dirt cheap. I need to just finish buying it. I've got Reanimator, Esper Reanimator, which is, mm, mm, love it, which means I have the mana base for Esper Control, just saying. Um, and then I've got uh, what I'm building or I'm going to finish soon is Twiddlestorm. And like, I don't think I'll ever own a third modern deck because I don't play modern very often. But if I did, it would be really fun to play something like Esper Control. And what's hilarious is I have this deck with the exception I was gonna say, of... You have most of this because you built uh, Esper Control and Pioneer. I did. And the... The Teferis are the biggest thing. Yeah, the Teferis are... Like, that mana base, I got it. You got it. Timeless Dragon cost a dollar. Yep. The Planeswalker, those Planeswalkers, I got them, except for Teferi. You already that have That spell sweet, I got them. Oh. Yeah, I have this deck, but probably not going to pick up a third modern deck. Oh, come on. It would, it would be cool to have two combo, two combo decks and a control deck for modern. So, that'd be pretty sweet. And then, wrapping it up... Sorry, it's a little shorter for Martin this week, but there's not much to talk about. And we we, we went uh, a, a fair bit longer on uh, on Legacy. Rakdos 
mid-range. Another scam deck. Uh, nothing interesting going on, though. No, nothing really interesting in the main board of that deck. So, metagame summary for modern. We got 18.75, six decks, and Domino Creativity. Then we had Crashing Footfalls, Rakdos Scam, and Murktide Regent. Oh, and, Gener- and that Ragavan uh, Underworld Breach deck coming in with three each. Uh, Prowess, Zoo, Tron, Titan coming in with two. And then a, a good handful of one-ofs. Most played cards, Lightning Bolt, Ragavan, Fable of the Mirror Breaker, Mistress Bobble, Spell Pierce, Top Creatures, Ragavan, Fury, Dragon Rage Channeler, Ledger Shredder, Archon, and Top Spells, Lightning Bolt, Fable of the Mirror Breaker, Mistress Bobble, Spell Pierce, and Expressive Iteration. All right, Matt, so that's our legacy discussion done. That's modern, kind of quickly covered, but there's like four decks in the modern super qualifier. Yep. We're pretty short on time for being honest. We're only about an hour and twenty in. What else are we gonna wrap this? What are we gonna wrap this episode up with? Oh, did you have anything planned? Didn't really have anything planned. I, I was really excited about the legacy ban, and I'm really happy about it. But like, there's only so much you can say about the two cards that got banned and the zero data referenced in banning them. Well, especially since we talk about them all we, the time. The arguments were pretty planned, pretty well planned out yeah, because we, we've been saying it. Yeah. Uh, Told you so. <laughs> yeah, told you so. Yeah. Now, yeah. I will say, whether or not it was justified, I did not expect Initiative to get banned this soon. Um, I kind of, like, part of me, like, that that sh- like cynic in me kind of thought they would, but that cynic in me kind of thought they would just ban something from Initiative mm-hmm. and just leave, let it go. Because, like, I knew that that wasn't very popular because it's a good non-blue deck. Uh, and I know I'm, just by the data, I'm clearly in the minority here. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't even dislike blue. It's just sixty percent of the decks run the same fucking yep. cards, and it's kind of getting old after a while. Um, but yeah, I uh, I will tell I was you pleasantly surprised. I'll tell you when I was pretty sure that it was gonna get um, it was gonna get banned is when we saw for weeks in a row where it was literally half the meta was these two decks. Like well, that, that's what drives me nuts is like it happens, and then six weeks later they ban it. Mm-hmm. Like because it hasn't been. I mean, it's still prevalent as we discussed earlier, but it's not anything worse than what we've seen over the past two years or year and a half. Yeah, that's true. Like, I like, you're not wrong, but I just, well, when I, when I, I should say this, I wasn't sure it was going to get banned, but I, when I saw that it was literally like half and half, we have 40% of the meta being these, these, these two decks. Like I, that was, I knew for a fact, if we ban one, we're banning the other. Yeah. There, there's no way they don't hit both. That, that was my hope. And I even talked to you. I was like, uh, if they ban an initiative card and not something out of Delver, like I'm out because yeah. that's basically just a giant fuck you to anybody who plays Legacy. It is. But it absolutely is. I uh, I'm pleasantly surprised. I it didn't even occur to me. Like you called me up at work and I was like, hey, and you're like, guess what? Uh-huh. And I'm like, yeah, I have no fucking clue. What do you want? Yep. <laughs> like you'll never guess what happened. Yep. And I would not have guessed. You could have given me a hundred guesses, and I would, didn't even occur to me that that had happened. Yeah. So, because I was just driving through the driving county roads, dropping off parts, and legacy was the furthest thing on my mind at that point. But we'll see where it goes. I don't really know what else to say about it. To be perfectly yeah, honest, yeah. There's unfortunately there's not a whole lot to say without getting into like just le- wild speculation. Wild speculation. That's where it is. So, um, did you hear about the new master set coming out? There's a new commander master set, which I was pretty sure I'd heard about and it was a real thing. The reason I cared about it is there's a card in there that's very, very expensive that I've wanted for a very long time. 
and they're finally reprinting Capture of Jingzhou. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they—that's where they're also re- they're they're doing like the uh, filigree crap for a couple cards as well. I, I, I saw it at that. the same time. I don't know if it was. I don't. They might be related. They're 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 bringing back like like walking ballista like from the invention thing. Yes, that's yeah. You told me that. So like yeah, Ragavan. They're, they're but they're doing it for non artifacts. Yes, they're so, like, doing one of them's Ragavan. Uh, walking yeah. ballista was one of them. I believe it got spoiled at the la- at the pro tour. Yeah. Um, which I I had seen some of that stuff, which is. Uh, it's cool to me because I don't own any masterpieces. If you own masterpieces, that's less than great. But what I was super happy about is they confirmed capture of Jing Zhao or however you say that. Yeah. And like that's a card I've really wanted for Tatiova for a long time. And it was ludicrously expensive because it hasn't been printed since like Portal. Yep. And this is a great like the uh, like three visits. They did this with three visits. They did it with uh, Imperial Seal. Where they're kind of going through there and taking. There was another version of time of a uh, time warp as well. It was a temporal manipulation. Yep, it's yeah, it's was the same a, thing. Because yeah, it was a different portal set where it was just five mana for the. It was five mana for time thing. warp. Just 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 one that doesn't shuffle in. Yep. And so I was I'm really excited about another card on my list. That's like man, I hope that card doesn't cost five hundred dollars one day. And, and now it's, it's not gonna. It probably won't be five hundred dollars. It'll, It'll probably be between thirty and fifty bucks. That's where it on. should probably be. Yeah. The problem is, I need a foil version. Yeah, I was gonna say, here's the deal. But what do you think that foil is gonna come out looking like once it's yeah exposed to any amount of <laughs> here's the, here's the, the perfect humidity? <laughs> so they're also reprinting Jeweled Lotus in this. Yep, I saw that too. We have a chance if they get the foiling right, we could buy foil Jeweled Lotuses again. You bought one. I never bought yeah. one, but like I'd like to have one, but I refuse to buy the original Commander Legends one. So Commander Masters, if they can get fooling to look right, I'd be I'm really excited to get a bad a capture and maybe a jeweled lotus for well, Tatiova. That's the thing. One of the things that keeps driving me nuts is not only do the foil does the foiling curl the cards, it also typically speaking looks like shit. Like the cards are blurry. Like Yeah, the Commander Legends dull. was I definitely noticed it way more in Commander Legends than anything else that those cards just looked printed poorly. Right. And it still pops up, but like Commander Legends was in was particularly bad. Yeah. Yeah, you once in a while you'll see a card that just didn't get didn't meet the standards, like should have been kicked out of the assembly line, but that was a lot of Commander Legends, yeah. a large it was number every of cards. Single foil I bought. Like, they were just they just looked like shit. Yep. And they were marked cards. Yeah. Cuz it's like I could if they just looked like crap, it would drive me nuts, but I'd be like, well, at least I still have a playable card. Mm-hmm. Like, I bought a bunch of Commander Legends foils, and that... They were marked cards. They're marked cards. Yeah, because they, they they curl in the wrong direction. Right. I tried every known, like, commonly known way to flatten cards. Yep. I spent, like, two months trying to get these cards. To, and eventually had to give up on them. And I just gave up on them, because, like, after all of that, I'd be able to pull. I had like 10 for my Marin deck. I could pull every single one of them out without getting an incorrect card. Yep. Just go 10 for 10. Reliably. Every single time. I did it like five times in a row. I'd shuffle it up and be like, that one, that one, that one, that one, that one. Yeah. That sucks. And I'm like, this is a, like, no one I'm playing EDH with would accuse me of cheating. I wouldn't, probably wouldn't notice most times yep. like if a if a card's in the middle of my deck and i'm just just sitting on my play mat or whatever i'm not going to notice that it's curled uh-huh but the fact of the matter is it's a marked card and it's not going in my deck even yeah, in a exactly. casual format like That's, i, I don't do. even i refuse to even give myself the potential uh-huh. for that when i bought a bunch of the cards for that uh simic deck for pioneer the rock priest deck i accidentally bought foil tamio safekeepings 
which are like $4 a piece. Made a mistake in a bulk order and spent $12 on a fucking 75 cent card. Um, and they are curled so bad. I like, cause like I was kind of playing with it. Cause at the locals, at our locals, it's kind of whatever it's, but like, I kind of noticed it like the second or third, uh, time I played the deck. And this was before I was heading up to play in that RCQ was like, yeah, those are marked. Like they're curled enough. I'm pretty sure I can notice when they're on top and yep. like they're legit marked brand new cards from a brand new set from Kamigawa, but they're fucking marked. And I had to rebuy them like that day to make sure to be able to play them. Cause like, and I have them like the problem is I have them. They're four or five dollars a piece, but like they're useless to me. They're yeah, trash. And who the hell's going to buy them? I don't. Yeah. Who wants them? So I was, I really got burned pretty hard on picking up some foils by accident and like, cause like some of the, like some foils are fine. Like I've had, I get once in a while you get foils. A great example was, uh, so for the, um, for the tournament I went to on Saturday, the, uh, the buddy I went with hit me up right beforehand. He's like, Hey, do you have two besages I can borrow? And I only have three regular besage and one foil one for Tatiova. Mm-hmm. It's like the, like I have two regulars, uh, for or a borderless and a borderless foil. And, I went and checked my borderless foil, and it's f- it's perfectly flat. So I I kept the two good ones. I gave him the regular boring ones, and we they're, they're fine. Like sometimes you get lucky and you can play with your foils, and sometimes they're horrendously marked and unplayable. And here's the funny thing: so those cards out of the same fucking set, I got a couple. My Masaju was fine. I got one of the one of the black ones and one of the blue ones. So yeah. The island and the swamp. Takanuma and Odawara. Those are both curled yeah. foils. Yep, my I got one for Yuriko and one for Marin, and my Besaju is perfect. I pulled it out of a sleeve and looked at it; it's perfect. Yeah, and my my Besaju is, but the Takanuma and Odawara are fucked. Yep, yeah, that, they the, sit in a binder. It's so hard to commit to buying foils because, like, I'm like you have a fold out deck. I am probably sixty five to seventy percent the way of foiling Tatiova, so I'm only you know two grand from being done. And to be like, fair, I also don't have the foil guy's cradle, so I'm also too grand. Yeah. From me. <laughs> um, but like, it's so hard to buy these expensive foils, like buying the cheap ones. Like I bought like a, like a three visits foil was like five bucks Yeah. or, uh, they print, they reprinted. I was so excited. They reprinted summer bloom, mm-hmm. which I love summer bloom and Tatiova because it's so good. Like I, um, there's actually, there's an infinite loop with it. It's, uh, there's there's a couple of convoluted infinite loops in Tatiova, but a lot of them are very synergistic, so they work together. Mm-hmm. So the infinite loop in Tatiova is um, a way to sacrifice your lands or wasteland it, uh, Mystic Sanctuary, Azusa, and a way to play them from the graveyard. So obviously, those are all that's a lot of pieces to pull together, but every individual piece works really well with the decks that you yeah. want all of them anyway. But if you have Summer Bloom, you can cast Summer Bloom for two mana. If you have Azusa, you can play three. You could play a third land, whatever. You can sack the Mystic Sanctuary, play it from the graveyard, put it back on top, then draw it, and then play it again. And you're going up a mana, and you can so you can draw your entire deck because you can just keep. I'll just sack two more lands. You just keep playing cards from the graveyard. Mm-hmm. It's so fucking crazy that you can go infinite. Nice. It's and the worst thing about it was there wasn't a good foil. Mm-hmm. There was shitty white border. I don't. Know, those might have been foil, but there weren't good foils. Period. And they reprinted it in one of the master sets, and it was like eighty-five cents for a foil, <laughs> and it came in looking pretty good. So I was really nice. happy about that. That's my, that's my like favorite thing to happen. It's just like once in a while I go through the deck and I kind of catalog what needs foiled, and I check on all the options for all the foilings because not only do I want a foil regrowth, I want the correct foil regrowth. Right. I want the judge promo, blah blah blah. And I'll always I check the ones that have no foil options, and once in a while they're like, oh shit, they printed that, yay! And it's mm-hmm. only a dollar. 
Yeah, because if you're not paying attention, Summer Bloom being reprinted doesn't matter. Well, yeah, like, I mean, could you? I don't keep track of every card that comes out. Oh, And I don't look at every single... I don't have that much time. Right. Speaking of time, I think we'll wrap the episode up. We're kind of talking about nothing. Um, Let's head over to our Patreon-exclusive episode, which if you guys join the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash cantrip cartel at that $5 tier, you'll be able to listen to. But otherwise, I think you're mostly done listening to us this week. Unless Matt... Has anything else he wants to talk about? No, I'm ready to go talk about nothing to the patrons <laughs> as opposed <laughs> to talking about nothing for free. I got some stuff to talk about to the patrons. So Of course you do. Of course. It's just not magic related. Win so bag. in fairness, if you don't sometimes the Patreon content isn't magic related. The only thing I forgot to say was if you want to reach out to us is Cantor Cartel Everywhere. Yep. Other than that, we'll see you guys next week. Yep. Have a nice night, guys. Um, that's a pretty risky keep, but uh I can't mulligan below five, so you can go ahead and go first. Uh Womp thoughtsies? Hey, well, there's no creatures anyway, so... (laughs) Take one of my picture spells, asshole. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Fuck it, GG. Welcome, step on in to the Cantrip Cartel. Chicken Matt chatting meta games or slinging some spells. Casting ale, sipping on blue soup and parting some veils. Glimpse of nature once upon a time, they're telling the tale of the elvish visionaries on the wildwood prairies where the brainstorms are so fearsome, so scary, so legendary. Queering rangers cross the sylvan libraries for when the greens and zenith would parry the clouds and turn their swords into plows. Let them rotate the crops, abundant growth in the ground. Nourish the life from the loam until it flourished unbound. Seeds of innocence burnished all the birch lorian mounds. Gaia's cradle exhaled, carpet of flowers unwound. Birds Paradise sang, tropical islands of sound. Allosaurus shepherd danced on dinosaur stopping grounds. Jake and Matt pondered deeply all this magic they found. Through their visions, thou and serum, they saw only for how to convey these magic stories aloud to the crowds, the masses. Make the voices heard, share the truth, the magic. Through ancestral visions, they felt compelled to draw every single card with the cantrip cartel. Draw cards with the cantrip cartel. Draw cards with the Cantrip Cartel.